Hello, welcome back to another episode of Mental Debugging. This is our second episode, and we appreciate everyone who's joining us here today. Uh, huge shout out to everyone who provided feedback from episode one. Uh, a lot of people listened, a lot of people joined our community on Discord so far. Uh, if you aren't part of that and would like to join, there is a link to that community in the show notes. Feel free to uh, to join that. This Discord is an open forum for everyone to do their own personal mentor de mental debugging uh, without any kind of fear of judgment with like-minded individuals. So if that sounds exciting to you, please join up. Um, we'll also have community involvement in our discussions and would love to have any of you there. Um, I'm Nathaniel, and as always with me is Chris. Hello, I am here. <laughs> really nail that line every time. Uh, during our last episode, we debugged our mentals uh, around death and discussed some of our own you know, takes and personal experiences with that. And this week, uh, we're discussing something a little bit different, something that could lead to an early death, potentially, or elongate it, uh, self-care. Indeed. That is all this episode is about. Well, I would say self-care, and initially it was building relationships, but with the pandemic and everything, we kind of felt like self-care was really a relevant topic with everything going on. So I think it's a mixture of, you know, self-care and how to build relationships with other people to kind of foster your own self-care or even encourage people to focus on their self-care. Yeah. I mean, self-care uh, is not something that's just about you, right? It's about your environment, kind of that that nature-nurture thing, your nurture and who you surround yourself with and what those relationships add or take away, really, from you um, plays as much into your own self-care, I would say, as what you do for yourself, really. Like, it's it's a in my eyes, at least, it's very much 50-50 um, yeah. as far as what makes that up. Um, you know, the pandemic, it's been interesting. I've gotten to start traveling around some, and I've visited quite a few different people that I haven't seen, hadn't seen, I guess I should say, past tense, um, since before the pandemic. So I hadn't, you know, visited these people or been around to see them. And to see the varying levels, you know, of personal upkeep of home upkeep of like what their self-care has looked like through quarantine um some folks like i know you like started learning another language ironically enough my barber that i had yesterday learned portuguese um so some people put their time to those kinds of uses um other people continued down you know their own personal rabbit holes some people took very good physical care of themselves and got into better shape some people it was the opposite um i think you know, being forced into just that alone time really put a magnifying glass on what everyone's individual self-care has looked like. And now traveling around and getting to see people, like I'm almost getting to observe firsthand what one full year of that has looked like. It's been pretty interesting getting to to see and study the differences between how people took that time, right? How people used it both for their own benefit and, you know, for their own unbenefit detriment yeah detriment there it is thank you yeah <laughs> yeah definitely it was kind of interesting to see and I, it's neat because you get to see very extroverted people that struggle with it like i know you probably struggle with the alone time a lot more than say me being incredibly introverted. oh yeah uh you know and being furloughed because it was one thing too to be in a pandemic and staying at home but it was another thing to be furloughed for three months and have all that time given back to yourself and, you know, coming out of 2020, I think it was probably one of the best years of my life, uh, despite the whole thing going on, because I got to do so much stuff that I wanted to do. I got to focus so much on just my own interests and building on, you know, skills and hobbies and stuff like that. So I thought it was really nice. Yeah, you saw that open ended time with nothing attached to it. And you thought, man, what a what a great opportunity this is to do something, you know, to better myself or for myself um, yeah, and and really put that time to work. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I basically went, you know, if I'm going to get furloughed, then let's come back from furlough being a better person, at least in some regard than than who I was before I got furloughed. So, yeah, that's that's a great kind of mentality to have. And when you've got that mentality, I feel like you have that mentality in general, right? So when you come to something that's challenging like that, where you're forced into all of this alone time and trying to fill it with positive stuff, right? With bettering yourself. Um, and instead of work, which 
for most people is constant throughout most of their life, right? That's completely removed. Being able to still focus on, hey, let me spend this time deliberately. Let me make sure that I'm doing something to better myself during this time. Um, not just spending it willy-nilly or open-ended without really thinking about what the impact is. What do you think made you decide to view it that way? Because I know a lot of people didn't view it that way. Um, that's tough. I, so, you know, we talked a lot about episode one about intentionality and doing things with the intent of, of being better. And I think since we've known each other, I think you would say that I'm someone that kind of pushes towards self-improvement pretty consistently. And so I just saw it as an open opportunity to go, hey, we have a bunch of time to improve. Let's really go after it. But I think what really sparked it for me I had decided, I knew I was going to get furloughed at the beginning of May, and I had decided, okay, I'm going to pick up something. I don't know what it is. I'm going to dedicate more time to my YouTube channel, uh, which I did, and I was going to, I wanted to pick up something else, and I had read a book near the end of May, and it was the first book I read last year, and probably the first book I'd read in a couple years, and it changed a lot of my perspectives on the time that I have. And so I just decided, you know what, I'm going to finally develop that habit of reading that I've always wanted, but I've never really done. And so I read one book in May, I think like 15 books in June, and it just skyrocketed until the end of the year where I was at like 53 books or something by the end of the year. And uh, so yeah, that's kind of what happened. And I thought initially when I came into this year, I was like, that book habit thing is probably going out the window. There's no way I can keep up with that. And we're in august and i'm at 45 right now so i i guess i'm stuck with it now at this point <laughs> oh that's i mean it's such an unfortunate habit to be so stuck with you know it it's is such a it's a terrible, terrible thing to come out of quarantine with. it's tough it changed my worldview many times over <laughs> uh -huh. yeah i guess you know blessing and a curse maybe um but when you look at that like you developed at least based on the second year of it which you know when you get into the second year of doing something as a habit statistically speaking, you're probably going to keep doing it. Um, like that's a habit you're going to keep, right? Because you saw a large amount of open-ended self-time and you spent it deliberately, right? You invested in it the way that you felt best about investing in it. And it's funny because I'm in a similar situation where I've taken time away from work and I'm allowing myself to travel some and I put myself in a position to be able to do that. And the main thing that I've been, you know, focused on during that is others. So we talk about the impact of ourselves and how we spend our self-care and then the impact that others have. Like, I mean, obviously quarantine was tough for me being the extrovert that I am. Like I felt very cooped up. I felt very trapped. I couldn't leave New York. Like New York restrictions were very high. People couldn't come visit me for the most part. Um, so it was a really challenging year. So I've been very focused on how can I see all of these people that you know, I care about that add value for me that I feel like I add value back to them. And how can I prioritize getting to see as many of them during this time as I can? Um, because that for me feels really fulfilling, right? That's where things like this podcast have come out of. I've reconnected with old relationships and friends that I haven't talked to in years. Um, I've mended bridges that felt damaged years ago that I've revisited. Um, that has been a really healing thing for me. So it's interesting getting to see you know, you, as you're describing your furlough, I didn't get furloughed. We had to work the whole way through and it was honestly, 2020 was a rough year, but in 2021, I've been able to spend that, that I've had that open-ended deliberate time that I can spend. Um, and the quality of the relationships that I have and the people that are around me, I feel like has really improved. Um, I feel like I've been able to be much more deliberate in how I approach and view those relationships and how I engage others. Um, and looking at like, hey, what value does this person bring to me? What value do I bring to them? Is this a mutually good thing? Do I feel like I'm being the positive influence that I want to be? You know, you talk about deliberately and and making sure that we are um, spending our time wisely. Like if I'm going to spend time with somebody, I want it to be valuable in some way. I want it to be positive in some way um, and really focusing on like growing the positive relationships and growing those interactions and decreasing the negative ones, decreasing the time I spend in situations that aren't good for me or at times that aren't good, you know, places for me to be. 
um, and has really made me pay more attention to that balance of where I'm spending my time. Now, I got plenty of the introverted time last year. I probably didn't spend it as well as I could, but I thrive much more in the extroverted environment. So I feel like that um, has made a an easier place for me to feel good about my self-care, um, which is an interesting... It comes back to how self-care isn't the same for everybody, right? Um, like some people... I'm sure as an introvert, this probably would resonate with you. Need time alone, either daily or every other day, uh, to be able to kind of recharge from those social interactions. Whereas, like, if I don't get social interaction or I don't spend time with others or talking to somebody else or engaging somebody else daily, like, I start to feel just worse. Um, and it's interesting how that it's, it's, Self-care is such a challenging thing because while there are some things that are consistent, most of it is very subjective and individualized as well, which makes it hard to quantify and hard to say, hey, this is right or wrong. I mean, there are obviously things that supersede that, but um, in terms of like what things are good for somebody or where somebody feels fulfilled or feels enjoyment are very different places. Mm-hmm. It's very subjective. It's a very individualized journey. I mean, like you mentioned, you could argue that taking heroin is probably not good self-care for anybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's some things like probably that. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. Not ideal, Typically. I would say. Yeah. Most doctors <laughs> now, agree. Yeah, most doctors and probably people in general. Um, yeah. Now, right. how do you define self-care for yourself? What does it what does that look like for you? Yeah. So self-care, when I look at it for me, I'm thinking about what makes the highest likelihood that I'm a better person tomorrow in in whatever way we're thinking about. So there's a kind of a couple different lenses to look at it through for me personally. So I think about like a, a big one and arguably the most uh, tangible one is physical stuff, right? So like, what am I eating? Am I sleeping? Am I taking care of myself? Am I exercising enough? Am I drinking enough water? Like there's the physical self-care aspect that has become more important for me in the last year. Um, I got Lyme disease last year, which is, I'm still learning a lot about it. Um, they caught it early enough that it didn't proceed forward, but it's had what appears to be some like long-term health effects for me. Um, so it's something I have to be more deliberate about, like trying to avoid situations where I may get sick or if somebody else has been sick, much more than I ever had to worry about before. Um, and it's made me focus more on my own health than I did before. So there's that side of things, trying to eat better, trying to be more deliberate about the nutrients that I'm putting into my body and not just eating, you know, whatever. Um, there's the the mental side for me, um, which is involves other people, right? Like engaging other people. Do I feel like I'm I get a lot of fulfillment personally about around enriching other people. So like am I adding value to somebody else? today or like what ways did I add value to somebody else today makes me feel like I've done my part. I've given back. I've invested that time in other people, which for me, you know, brings a lot of fulfillment. It makes me feel like I'm doing what I should be doing. Um, those are really the two things that I personally think about on a day-to-day -day basis. There's some other pieces to it too. Uh, but th I would say those are kind of the two big ones for me. What about you? What, what things do you think about on a, on a day-to-day -day or, um, weekly basis? So for me, I kind of consider self-care as trying to put your own oxygen mask on as, you know, for yourself first as frequently as possible. Now that's to say that, you know, we talked a little bit about the uh, paradox of self-care off, off the podcast uh, real quick, but you know, the idea that you can't always take care of yourself over everybody else and you can't always take care of everyone else over top of yourself. So it's kind of like a balancing act. So that's why I say it's, you know, it's, you always try your best to put your oxygen mask on first. But to me, it's really about learning what you need and how to fulfill it and trying to take that journey to figure out what you need. Because I feel that a lot of people don't even know what they need for self-care. One thing that concerns me is that self-care is not just a buzzword. It's an industry and it's a big industry. I think the last number I had seen is that the self-care industry is worth like $40 billion a year. And so you have to think that there's a lot of products out there. There's a lot of face cream and books and all kinds of stuff that they're trying to sell you to make your life better, but it may not actually do anything for you. So I think a big part of self-care is just learning how can you enrich yourself? What does it look like? 
um, you know, what does it mean to you? Why do you want to do it? And finding those things that improve it. Now, the stuff that I work on on a pretty consistent basis is physical regarding health. Uh, what I eat is a pretty big component of my lifestyle. How I eat, how frequently I eat, especially for me, how frequently I eat because I don't get any kind of joy from eating. So I have to think about it all the time and remind myself like, oh, yes, we do need to eat something right now. Can attest. I remember days where I'd come home and I'd be like, did you eat anything? And you're like, did I eat today? And I'm like, how do you not even remember if you ate today? But it got, like different people, right? Like food is a big thing for me. Like I stress eat. So mine is the opposite. So paying attention to what I eat and how much I eat <laughs> in a lesser manner instead of yours, like reminding yourself. It's funny. It's apparent that self-care is different for everybody, right? Continue yeah. with what you're reminding saying. myself that I do have to eat, which most of the time ends up being stuff like, okay, let's eat a handful of almonds or a handful of walnuts because they're, you know, highly caloric dense and I don't need to eat a ton of food to do it. So I really try to jam pack my body with stuff like that. So I'm like, these are the calories I need. I need X amount of calories to not lose weight, uh, which I think a lot of people are like, oh, I need to lose weight for me. I'm actually, I struggle to maintain the weight I have and gaining weight is a challenge because, I mean, I just don't have a very good relationship with food because I just don't like it. I don't care for it. <laughs> so it's not fun. Um, emotionally, and I would say mentally, I do need space, like you mentioned. For me, having alone time is really, really important. Being separate from everybody and just kind of being on my own to do my own thing. Oftentimes, that means just sitting in my office uh, in my chair, just kind of reading a book or something like that. That that often does a lot for me. Trying to take walks and, you know, listen to music or podcasts, those kind of things, that usually does quite a lot for me as well. So why do you think uh, self-care matters? Why do you think it should be a priority? Real quick before we... Uh, I'm going to jot that down so I remember to come back to that question, but it was interesting. So when I asked it... When I asked it... When I asked you... Um, about your self-care and, and what it looked like. You started by talking about how what it means to you is like that people have to define it first, right? And that people often don't know what self-care even is for them, even let alone like knowing what things are most important. Like they don't even take the time to pause and think like, I need to prioritize self-care and make sure that I'm taking care of myself what does that mean for me individually as, you know, Steve, the human being or Chris, the human being? Like, how am I making sure that I'm spending that time? It was interesting that that was part of your definition for what self-care is, was almost like a purpose and a why and, a, you know, a, a call to action almost that people need to spend that time deliberately, um, which I know that's a big part of, you know, what we want from this is we want to challenge people to think, right? We want others to mentally debug and talk about the challenging topics and understand their own opinions and thoughts about things. Um, and it just goes to show that you view a lot of things that way um, because it was part of your definition, right? So that's just an interesting piece that I didn't want to just glass over um, <laughs> because it's that's unique, right? It's a unique take to your when asked about self-care to first say you got to define it first of like what it means to you individually, yeah. um, not just sharing blanket things or the things that, you know, you personally do. It's almost a call to action for others. And then P.S. Here's what I do for myself. Right. <laughs> Unintentional yeah. call to action, but still, yeah. I mean, it works. Yeah, 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 exactly. So you're asking me why I think people don't focus on health. Self why does it matter? Why does self-care matter? matter? Yeah, yeah. So if you don't take time deliberately for and about yourself to understand yourself, to understand your needs, to be able to know what your own body likes and dislikes in all the ways, right? Physically, sexually, food, all of it. Um, like if you don't take time to figure those things out for you, I think the quality of one's existence is probably lessened, I would say, at least in in my viewpoint. Because what if you like something more than the thing that you've always done or the thing that's comfortable? Or what if there's a better situation for you? Or what if you would actually like this other thing 
or mentality or viewpoint or whatever it is more. And you can't know that if you don't take time to identify what's important to you and what matters to you and what things enrich and better your life. Um, so if, if all you do is eat the same thing forever and you never branch out and never try other things, you probably aren't going to feel as fulfilled as somebody who does, I would say. Right. Um, similarly, like if you don't, if you don't take the time to experiment and explore with different, you know, activities that you could go out and do everything from things like, you know, reading to exercise to whatever. But I would say that it lessens if, if, if you don't take the time to do the things that are important, it lessens the fulfillment and enrichment of your life. And realistically, it can shorten your life too. If you don't take time to take care of yourself physically and make sure that you're, like warning signs and things that are concerning that come up that you get them addressed and you take care of them. You take care of your mental health. You, you know, talk things through and ensure that you're looking at things through the right perspective. Um, like, I think if you don't, if you don't take that time, it just really lessens your existence. What about you? What, what would you say for that one? So I think you bring up a good point that it's, it's not good for you to avoid things that are important and to kind of echo off of what I said initially is I, I think you have to do that discovery to find out how important it really is for you and why it's important um, before you can kind of take that journey. Um, and you mentioned taking care of mental, physical, let's not forget emotional health too. Um, that yep. could be pretty terrible as well to ignore that. But when it comes to self-care for me, and I, I spent a good amount of time thinking about this because we've kind of had this topic in mind for maybe a week and a half, two weeks or so now. And we've been just kind of discussing it briefly between each other, but mostly, you know, to ourselves, I think, to share with each other here. So what I had written down was that I think self-care matters because when you don't take care of yourself, then you're not showing up. And so you're no longer showing up in your relationships and you're no longer being who you truly are in the world. And so I kind of consider it as to take care of ourselves is to take care of the other people around us. And so if we neglect ourselves, then we really can't be there as a full version of who we are to give love and appreciation and, you know, to give to the other people that we care about. Yeah. Yeah. So your outward reflection of like <clears throat> interactions and how you interface and interact with the people around you is you're saying a direct reflection of your own self-care to some degree that's how i feel yes I, I feel like if you take good care of yourself then you can better show up in in the world for the people you care for you know i think um for me i think when i have good self-care i show up for friends i show up for my fiance you know even for the animals that kind of thing but if i'm having a bad day or a bad week and i haven't spent that time to really take care of myself or really dive into the problem or nurture myself in the ways that I need to, then I may be snippy or, you know, not, or a little bit quicker to anger or not as responsive as I otherwise could be. Yeah. That's interesting. There's a couple of pieces in there that you just mentioned that are kind of intriguing to me, but especially the, the idea that how you act outwardly to others in being a direct reflection of your own self-care is is interesting to think about you know you hear something like that and it's a different viewpoint than i personally have what i tend to do is i immediately take the statement you made and run back through situations and interactions i've had in the past and think okay so if what he just shared is true how does that change my perspective on this situation right this interaction that i had with somebody or whatever um so you share that that is an out an outward reflection of somebody's own self-care thinking about situations where somebody was you know angry or frustrated and i especially situations that i was intimately familiar with them that's pretty true i would say in a lot of situations where i know that when someone has lashed out or is frust frustrated there's typically something that they haven't dealt with or something else going on a deeper root or we got the whole way to the deep root and that's where the emotion's coming from. Uh, but it a lot of times, as I'm thinking back, those people weren't taking the time or I myself hadn't taken the time when in situations where I was frustrated or I acted poorly, I hadn't taken the time to really understand 
my own view on it and really reconcile it or talk it through or whatever before acting on it. And then that caused the negative situation to arise. Um, so that's really interesting thinking about when you, when you find yourself in a situation that's negative because of you, like reflecting back, not just to the moment in the situation, but like, Hey, what was leading up to that? You know, what could I myself personally have done or mentally, emotionally, whatever, how could I have changed that to be better? Um, really is self-care, right? <laughs> it, it's how you change the next time based on the situations that you were in then previously. Yeah, I mean, looking back, you kind of have to see how can I fix it? How can I do better? And, and I think it's important to remember that ultimately what you do and what you say to people and how you interact with people uh, may not necessarily fix anything. It may not do anything because you don't have control over how people respond or, you know, or how they perceive the things that you tell them or what you do. So you could do everything right and they could still have a negative reaction. One thing I noticed for myself is when I neglect my own self-care, I become pretty absent in the lives of other people. Usually not people that are really, really close to me. You know, fiance lives in the house with me. So stuff like that is, you know, a little bit more difficult. But for like close friends, I tend to become absent in their lives for an extended period of time or I'm less responsive or less likely to want to do anything or to communicate with them. So that's kind of when I start to recognize, okay, there's something going on here that I need to kind of peel back the layers on and see or take a look at my life and think, when's the last time I did this for myself or kind of where am I missing? What do I need to prioritize, um, you know, to come out and be a better version of myself for other people? So for you, when you find yourself in situations where you feel badly about that, right? You haven't been as present in X relationship or you haven't, you know, done whatever you're thinking of doing or whatever it is you you've you hit that moment where you realize gosh i have neglected x um for you you turn inward and kind of regress to do the self-care routine that you need to be able to then act on the situation right am i understanding that right yeah that's right yeah i i go back to the activities that i feel like nurture me as a person to kind of bring me back to stability yeah I do the same thing, but it's funny because it's completely it's a completely different thing that I do. So I think about who are people that I really value and care about that I haven't talked to in the last week, two weeks, a month. Like what what are my most aged people that I haven't interacted with that I care about that I want to show I care um, and that I could potentially run X situation by and talk it through. Um, and I try and engage those people and have conversations. I love to talk while I'm driving or traveling. Um, and I always try to fill those moments with like, hey, let me try and engage somebody. Let me talk to somebody. Um, and I look to engage with others to get other opinions and perspectives to then take and reflect for myself prior to doing it. So it's interesting. Like we both kind of have the same mentality when we hit that to then engage self-care routine, quote unquote, um, which is you know, the pieces that are truly different for everybody. But the recipe, ironically enough, sounds very similar, even though we've never talked about it or actually reviewed, like, how do you go about working through your self-care beyond prepping for this episode, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but we both have come to similar conclusions that when we hit something like that, like, we need to take a minute in self-reflection. Mine just engages other people to then help with that process, and you focus fully inward and fully on the things that you do that help it help to progress it. Mm -hmm. Now I have a question and this is not something that we discussed previously. So I, I don't want to get oh, baby too, <laughs> I don't want to get uh, too into your personal life. So I don't really want you to open up and share, you know, whatever you don't feel comfortable with, but I know, you know, that there's been things happening in your life the past couple of days that have been, you know, pretty difficult for you individually. And so I wonder what has your self-care been like or how has your self-care changed over the past couple of days or the past week with the challenges that you've been facing? Yeah, it's uh, it, I'm fine to talk about it. It's funny you ask that because it's exactly what I just described. Um, so I don't know if you remember, but uh, Sunday I got lunch, uh, late lunch out of nowhere with a very good friend of mine. His name's Chris. I don't know if you've, you're familiar with this guy, Chris. I've heard it's about you. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you. So I immediately engaged my network of people that I 
spend time with and I feel that add value to me and I feel I can talk through things with. Um, and that's what I've done. I've I've engaged those people. I've talked through situations that I feel like I need to talk through. Um, I've spent a decent amount of time alone in reflection as well um, and planning and changing what I'm planning to do because of, you know, the information. But um, I did exactly what we were talking about a second ago, where um, when faced with that situation where I was emotional and frustrated and upset, um, that I look to surround myself with the things that make me happy, which is people, uh, be able to have those positive situations and those positive interactions to help me kind of reset my mindset mindset, um, and help me mentally get to where I need to be. Um, preparing and, and recording this episode right now is a part of it as well. Um, but making sure to find ways to be positive and the things to be positive about and the things to, you know, look forward to and look, progress forward through, um, has really been what that time has looked like. Um, I also was on the tail end of being sick, so I haven't been able to exercise like I would want to. Um, but I was typically when something like this would happen, like I'd try and find some sort of physical activity to go do, whether it's like go play some pickup basketball or go swimming with friends or, you know, do some sort of physical activity to add to it as well. <clears throat> um, but yeah, that's uh, that's what that's looked like. Are you surprised by any of that? No, not really. Um, it's kind of interesting that you mention that you like to interact with people. And then, of course, you know, we got together for lunch when you were in a period where, you know, basically you, I felt like you needed some self-care. That kind of brings us to the point of when you learn what other people need for their own self-care, you can actually use that to nurture relationships with other people, which I think that's a really good example of what we did on Sunday where, you know, I knew you were in a place where you needed something. Generally, I'm not one to be like, let's go get lunch because I would rather stay home any day of the week. Uh, I know. <laughs> but I took that opportunity to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. You did. You did. And it was appreciated. But yeah, the, it, it, you're 100% right that when you know somebody well enough that you know their own, you know, self-care needs and routine, especially if they have enough self-awareness to share it, um, being able to give and encourage what they need when they need it. Um, and so in this situation, like you knew that us grabbing lunch would make me feel better. So you suggested it and put it together. Um, if the shoe was on the other foot, I would try and find the coldest, darkest cave and lock you in it, uh, because I know that's where you feel most comfortable. <laughs> that sounds pretty nice. I, I don't mind that at all. I know you're like, ah, oh, how could I make this cave colder or darker? But but you're 100% right, where others and the people you surround yourself with really do add to or take away from your self-care if they know what your routine is or what what you need as part of that self-care routine. I think that's a conversation worth having, too. And that's part of this episode was really relationship building. And we did piece together some questions for mindfulness, introspection, relationship building. And we're not really going to go through those in the episode, but they are going to be in the episode notes. And I would I would encourage you sit down with friends or your spouse and kind of work through these questions so you can learn more, build each other, you know, build your relationships with other people. But I think as you learn what each other needs or doesn't need, especially from a self-care perspective. It doesn't have to be you just always showing up for some other person. You can start to reach out to those close people and say, this is what I need right now. This is where I'm at. And you'll, I mean, those people that care for you, they're, they're going to step up. They're going to do what suits you and what is best for you. And that's something that, you know, you, you have control over. You can work on building that relationship to build a better network for your own self-care, which I think is really cool. Yeah, others really do play into it. You know, the people that you would turn to in those moments of need, right, where you're upset or you're frustrated or you have some situation that has led you to be looking to others for something um, like the stronger your relationships and the less, you know, surface level they are, the easier it probably is to have those conversations. The more of these kind of conversations that you've had with somebody around self-care or death or social media to name a few of our plans for future episodes. Um, 
Um, but you know, the people that you've really had those truly deep and engaging conversations with or, or have the depth of relationship with, those are the people that you expect and look to, to help with that self-care, right? Those are the people that you feel like you can rely on when, you know, you have a need that is greater than yourself to personally overcome on your own, which I would venture to say a lot of, a lot of people have and don't ask for help or don't reach out to others to allow others to help them. Like it's not a sign of weakness or it's not a sign that you're not self-sufficient. Um, everybody needs something sometimes, right? And everybody can learn something from somebody else. So having strong enough relationships where you can reach out and engage those people and get something out of those conversations, right? Where it's not just a, hey, I'm upset. Let's go drink, right? Let's go drink our cares away. It's, hey, I'm upset. Like, let's grab lunch and talk deep, deep stuff, right? Let's talk about our podcast. Let's talk about our goals. Let's talk about our futures and what we care about. Let's talk about what we've learned from the last year and the things that we've gone through. Um, like those are, those are truly things that in my eyes, at least better you and improve, you know, yourself, improve your life, improve your outlook. Um, those really are self-care actions that you can take with others where there's a lot of things where, you know, you don't have the depth of relationship or you really have that more surface level connection and the, the connection ends at, yeah, we get stoned together. Like that's. That's probably not a positive self-care thing, right? But it is the self-care that some people subject themselves to because those are the only friendships or relationships they have to do that with. Um, so thinking about the people you surround yourself with and who you're investing your time in and who you trust to invest that time with, for me, is paramount importance because of how involved others are in my own self-care. Does that make sense? I think I coughed right there and I wasn't muted. It was terrible. I didn't hear it. I don't think. Oh, well, it depends on which recording we use, I guess. Oh, if everybody so else gets terrible. Scared. I have to fix that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so a miracle bad. that you and I haven't had more coughing, honestly. This guy, Chris, broke his rib from coughing too much. And I got over 12 days of running a fever and sore throat. And now I have the same cough. So it's a miracle we're even able to put together any kind of episode, honestly. Watch your ribs. I'm telling you, serious stuff out there. Gotta be it's careful. a testament to the fact that you eat handfuls of walnuts for meals. I'm telling you, I've got some powerful lungs, I think, or some really weak bones. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> powerful lungs. Osteoporosis. And All those handfuls of walnuts old. just powered up your lungs. Yeah. Sure. Oh, God. Um, one thing I was going to mention, you were talking about how important it is to reach out to other people and kind of have those conversations and look for that support. I, I think it's also important to try to be aware of what you don't know and try to be aware of your own kind of naivety and you know ignorance because i feel like there are people too that kind of expect people to know that they're in a rut or expect people to know they're in a certain place in their life and have the answers or to help them out of it but realistically you have to be mindful that no one lives the same reality that you do no one even lives really in the same world as you. You share it specifically just within your own little head. And so you need to, you know, take a step back and remember that not everybody's going to have the same information you're going to have. And that, you know, sometimes you really do need to reach out to get that support from other people. And there's certainly nothing wrong with that. Um, it's it's an important thing to do. But one thing as well, we had sent out a survey on the Discord, um, very, very quick survey. And I managed to get locked out of the survey, so I don't have all the results. I apologize, but I do have some <laughs> of them that I snippeted. Whoops. Uh, snippeted? Is that a word? I don't know. Um, it might just be snippet. Snippeted? snippeted? It doesn't sound right. The act of snippeting? Yeah, sure. Maybe? Snippeted. I don't know. You it's snippeted weird. it. Snippet. Fair enough. It's for sure snip. I don't know now. Anyway, so I've got <laughs> most of the results. And so basically on the Discord, we had asked our Discord users to rate your self-care from one to 10, and then to very quickly answer the question of what more could you do to improve your self-care? 10 being? 10 being, wow, you, you're you just phenomenal at self-care. It's like your day job. And uh, there was even a zero on the scale, which I think if anyone put that, they might be dead. Um, I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, the level of neglect one would have. There actually is a medical syndrome for people that think they're dead and you actually can't convince them that they're not dead. 
So there's that. Uh huh. So that's the zero on the scale. Maybe they would put a zero. Yeah. I can't remember what that syndrome is called. It's in my yeah, notes, yeah, of yeah. course. Anyways, but I'll, I'll put it in the show notes because it's neat. <laughs> anyway, because <laughs> you like random facts. Uh huh. It's a cool fact. I like it. So anyway, um, so we'd ask them what more they could do for their self care. So we'll kind of go through some of that really quickly. Um, I don't want to share any names or anything. I could definitely pick out some of the people in this. Uh, so there was a seven, a six, and two threes to my surprise. So the two threes, um, one person put being more conscious of the long-term effects of my short-term decisions, the effects of better sleep, you know, less alcohol, less caffeine on long-term health is something I should be more conscious of. I also don't exercise enough, so getting more into a regular routine as well. Another person put eliminate alcohol consumption, increase darky leafy greens, uh, increase overall exercise, and eat more. That's definitely mine, the eat more. I, I forgot what my own answer was until I saw the eat more. I was like, oh, that's me. Um, <laughs> Another person put really an overhaul on diet, exercise, and sleep schedule. Used to meditate frequently, but since uh, since they let that habit slip, so that would also aid in better self care. And then one person put seeking therapy and learning to understand my thoughts and feelings better. So the reason I bring these up is that not everybody is completely unaware of what they could be doing to improve their their situation, improve their lives, or their well being, but not everybody does it which mm -hmm. I think is interesting. So that brings me to the question of, um, do you have any habits for yourself that you try to do on a day-to-day -day basis to you know, reach your self-care goals or to basically take better care of yourself or people around you? That's a good question. My life is super fluid right now, so my actual like routine is pretty well non-existent. Um, being able to travel around and spend time you know, at different people's houses and getting to stay with different people makes it so that my actual like daily routine is not as structured as it could be. Um, I will say my morning, like first getting up routine is pretty standard. Um, and some of that is for myself. Some of that is for my dog, Bo, that he does best with his separation anxiety when it's very structured. Um, so like when I get up in the morning, he knows we're going to go outside and he's going to go potty. Like that's thing one, the instant dad gets out of bed, that's what's happening. So we do that no matter where we are, or who we're staying with or uh, where I may be staying. Um, and then immediately when we come back inside, he gets breakfast and he eats, he gets to play a little bit. Um, and that's kind of protected time for me thinking about what things do I need to get done that day? Thinking about what things from the previous day or maybe outstanding or things that I want to resolve, you know, from the previous day. And it's just kind of a time for me to kick off my day on the right foot um, where I'm not just, you know, lazily laying in bed on my phone or whatever. Like I, I have a very deliberate get up in the morning routine. Um, and that's been consistent even before this. That's the one thing I would say that is consistent. Now, what time that happens may vary based on who I've spent time with and if I stayed up late the night before with them or based on what their schedule is because I don't I don't have immediate timestamps that tie me down to things that I have to abide by. So it allows me to be very flexible with that time. Um, but I would say probably that is the most consistent thing for me. What about you? What's your consistent like day-to-day self-care stuff look like? I think that dogs in particular do a really good job of adding to self-care in the sense that you kind of have to get out of bed, get outside, get into sunlight almost immediately in the day, which I think has been really beneficial. But I will say my self-care from a morning perspective is not as good as it could be. I generally don't get up as early as I would like. I generally don't spend, I tend to reach for my phone almost immediately, which I really try to get away from. And I don't read as much as I would like in the morning. Um, and I say as I would like as if I don't have a choice, but absolutely I have a choice. It's more of a, I just haven't made it a priority to really, you know, do something about it. So that's kind of a work in progress for me. So, but throughout the day, my habits for my self-care are absolutely going for a walk with the dog, um, regardless of the weather, just because getting outside is really important. I, I mean, I'm very frail too, you know, I'm very frail and very white. Hashtag broken ribs. Yeah. And so, you know, I got to get outside and get some vitamin D for that. And uh, that's pretty important for me. Reading is something I 
prioritize every single day now at this point. I didn't. So when I before I had the habit of reading, you know, that time probably would have been spent watching YouTube or video games or something like that. But since developing the reading habit, I've found that it's been really beneficial for my self-care. It's kind of a great spot where it not only gives me time alone and time where I can be in a quiet place by myself, but it also kind of nurtures my curiosity, which I've found really good. So I tend to listen to an app called A Soft Murmur, which basically you can have background noises like a coffee shop or a fireplace or something. And I put that really low and put my headphones on. And so I feel like I'm sitting in like a nice fireplace coffee shop or something, just kind of reading a book in the corner, not being bothered by other people. So I really like that. That's pretty cool. That's an interesting way to go about that. Yeah. So that's generally how I read. I think that's probably one of my biggest self-care habits. I used to have to spend a lot more time actively trying to get time alone than what I do currently. And I would say my job is a big part of that. Uh, now that I work from home, I have a lot of time to myself. I'm by myself all day long other than the cat and the dog. So I don't have to really go out of my way to find that alone time that I used to have to really dig for. And so I don't find myself in a rut, you know, kind of scratching at the wall like I've been around too many people, leave me alone for a little bit. Now, there's still some weekends where I might engage in a lot of social activities. And by Sunday, I'm like, just leave me be. Like, I just want to go in the closet for a little bit, just sitting here with the clothes in the darkness, and uh, I'll be back in an hour or two. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's funny, because that, like, the idea of having to do that to, like, decompress is so far removed from, like, what would feel good for me. Like, listening to some of your self-care habits sound... Like the reading part, probably not so much, but some of the self other things. Self-torture. Self-torture, like self exactly. <laughs> or it's like, man, that sounds like if somebody was trying to like tear down me, they would force me to go spend significant, significant amount of time like alone and not being able to engage people. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm also an enigma where like I've never met a stranger and I could walk up to some random person and start a random conversation about whatever and feel completely comfortable and normal in that and that that's not odd to me. Um, so from a, it's not surprising that from a self-care perspective, like engaging others is a big part of that because like people are just very interesting to me, um, and engaging to me and exciting to me. So finding people that I like and enjoy, I tend to invest a lot of my self-care time with them, um, because I feel that they add value to me. I feel that most of the time I add value back to them, um, that very rarely are my relationships like selfish for just me, um, where I feel like there's some sort of mutual um, benefit to the relationship and, you know, us learning and growing from each other. Um, and that's that's why I've been able to maintain the large network of people that I know, um, both from my previous career as well as just personal friends. Like you guys always joked around that I was the extrovert that adopted all of you introverts. Um, and that hasn't just been true with you guys. Like meeting, people and getting to know people and what makes them tick and all that like excites me and makes me feel like I can add value back. You talked about, you know, knowing what other people's self-care needs are and knowing the ways that the ways and the things that make them feel good and what they need. You were able to engage me about that on Sunday. I feel like I've gotten to know a lot of people well enough that I can add to their self-care routines and and add benefit to those routines as well. Um, and so that like a big part of my own self-care is feeling like I'm giving back and I'm investing back in others. Um, so talking through those survey results, kind of going back to that, there was a couple above five and a couple below five, but like none in the eight, nine, 10 range, like nobody was saying exceptional or like really, really good for their own self-care, which means everybody who filled it out, myself included, like we're aware that our self-care isn't where we want it to be. Why do you think so many of us, and I mean, this is obviously a small sample size, but if we're thinking big picture, many people don't invest that time. Why do you think that is? I don't think everybody recognizes the consequences of not caring for yourself. I don't think they realize the role that it plays. You know, like we talked about earlier, when you, when you asked me why I think it matters and how I think how you do self-care plays into how you treat other people in your relationships with other people. I, I, you know, maybe people don't recognize that it can have that impact that, you know, something, some way you are treating someone is due to 
lack of self-care due to the way that you've just kind of neglected yourself, unfortunately. And there are damages to self-neglect as well. I mean, there are documented damages, which I've made a list of those. I'm going to put those in the show notes. We're not going to go through those, but there is stuff of that nature too, to be aware of. Um, the thing that I find interesting is that you mentioned nobody put an eight, nine or a 10. And I wonder if it's because no one considers their self-care good enough or if people are aware enough to say, hey, this is always a work in progress. We're never going to be at a nine or a 10. We're always going to be working towards a seven or an eight, you know, trying to make improvements where we can. And even when you feel like you make a step of progress, you might take a step back in some days. Similar to my morning routine. I mean, there have been mornings where I get up immediately and I'm ready to go and I've you know, kind of crafted the day the way I wanted it to. And there are days where, especially lately with the broken rib, where it's really difficult to get up, mostly because like I can't sleep. <laughs> Sleeping is very difficult right now. Pain. So, yep. yeah, so it's very difficult. I find I usually when my fiance gets out of bed, I tend to get up right when the dog gets out of bed and usually try to start the day. But it's not it doesn't always work that way. Um, but I think it's important to try to find something else to kind of build on top of that. If it doesn't work the way you want it to work, like find a way to kind of stepping stone your way into the day. So for example, for me, I don't get out of bed when I want to. I don't start the day I want to. So I make coffee like I'm sure mi millions of other people do every single day. Um, I make pour over coffee and I specifically do pour over because it takes time. It, you know, there's a process. It's a real technique to it. And that for me allows me to be mindful and present and just think about my morning, what I want it to be like, what I'm going to do and where I'm going to be and how focused I want to be for that day. So even if my morning doesn't start off the way I want it to, I've kind of crafted something as kind of like a backup plan to be like, okay, we could have done better getting out of bed, but you know what, we've got the coffee. So let's use that as the stepping stone to kind of move forward with the day and get on to the next thing. So we can still, you know, be where we want to be. Yeah, finding a small victory in the morning is important, I would say, especially for a lot of folks who have challenges with getting up or being motivated in the morning. Um, I actually, so I kicked caffeine um, beginning of June-ish, end of May. Um, health reasons, once again, I've kicked it previously a few times, and then I got it back and then kicked it again. But this time I've officially established it's for good. Um, but since kicking that, like my morning... It's funny, you talked about how the coffee being almost like a benchmark of your morning, right? Like, hey, we still got the coffee going. We'll be able to, you know, kind of snowball that into a productive morning. Not having that and not having that be part of my morning routine um, definitely changed up my personal benchmarks for the morning, right? Like, it's not a, hey, I'm going to get up. I'm going to make coffee. I'm going to go brush my teeth. I'm going to do this in this order. Like, removing that big of a piece of it like how am i getting my morning caffeine intake to kick my day off um definitely was a bit it, it, like it just took some getting used to which is a funny thing that you're removing something as small as uh, making coffee in the morning um but it really can mess up how you go about taking care of yourself in the morning um and how you feel in the morning like the first couple weeks were rough where like headaches and even some like chills and fever is part of it where your body like literally is going through withdrawal from getting rid of it. Um, but then after it, like being rid of it, my morning and ability to like get up in the morning and kick things off and get started is unlike it ever was when I was caffeinated because I don't like, there's not that necessity of that for myself. Like I don't, I know it's not coming. So rather than it being like, Hey, I just need this, or I just need that to be able to get going. Like, I get up and I get going. I get started. I know my dog and I mean, he's my son, right? Like he's expecting me and he's relying on me. So that's my motivation to get out of bed. And I don't have any personal things that are almost holding me back from starting my day the way I want to. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I do want to add just a thing of clarity. Um, when I mentioned the coffee, I'm not, I'm not really talking from a caffeine perspective. It's more of the process of brewing right. the coffee and going through the process of pour over if i was just taking coffee out of a coffee pot then the whole thing would be useless it wouldn't do anything for me but it's that that actual process i find with pour over that that makes it so meaningful it could probably be decaf coffee or tea or any of that stuff and it, it, you know it's just the idea of being there being present for the moment and kind of collecting myself to to get on with things 
Um, the structure of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, essentially. Now, looking at the feedback, or not really feedback, but some of the survey results, you know, my advice to some of these people that have kind of, which all of us have, I mean, all of us have listed out something that we want to improve on. My advice for anybody would be to, instead of trying to overhaul 10 things at one time or the four or five things that you've put on the list, pick one and track it. You know, start to work on that, start to write about it, start to jot it down, really start to try and track it a little bit more. And I think over time, you'll find that you get a little bit better at it. And then as you, you know, eventually when you've got it down, you feel like you can do it, then you can start to tack on one thing. You, I, I feel like we did talk about death and, you know, how there isn't an infinite amount of time and you're not, you may not be around by the end of the day. Um, so I don't want to say you've got all the time in the world to get these habits in, in place because you don't. But that doesn't mean that you're going to get all these habit, habits in place in one day. You know, it takes time to do it. Micro habits, uh, you know, based on Atomic Habits by uh, James Clear, I believe his name is. I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, <laughs> and um, I, it would be better that you have one really good, healthy self-care habit that you've really built and done well than to have, you know, five or six, six lackluster ones that really don't serve you. Um, as well as they could. And that would be yeah. my my take on it. I agree. Uh, the one wholeheartedly agree with everything you said there. And the one thing I would add, not just, you know, pick the one thing, but like talk to the people that you interact with the most and that are the most important in your life and share what thing you want to improve about yourself. Like if physical fitness is the thing that's important to you, like share that so that you have accountability partners and you have people to to ask and encourage and care and help you invest in yourself. You know, the other people around you play a big role in that. So, you know, if your spouse or your kid or your parent knows that, hey, this is something that I'm trying to do and working on, you know, not only can they call you on your BS if you're slipping or you mess up or whatever, but they can really encourage you. And when they know you've gone to the gym or whatever, and they know that's something you've been struggling with, they can say, hey, you know, I saw that you did this thing, like way to go. Um, and typically when you share something like that, either A, the other person is going to share something back or B, that other person is going to think about it and go, hmm, Nathaniel said that he's working on X, Y, and Z. Like maybe I want to work on myself and I want to work on this thing too. Or they'll be like, oh, that's a good idea. I want to work on it as well. Um, I had a friend recently that um, I went on vacation with and we cooked together and coming back from it, he was like, man, like you motivated me. I really enjoyed cooking while we were on vacation. Like I made some homemade food. Um, and this is somebody who rarely, if ever does homemade cooking. So like knowing that you can have that impact by sharing your own deficiencies and the things that yourself are working through and working on can help encourage others to do the same too. Um, which is ultimately what we want, right? Like Everybody wants to be better individually, um, and helping others be better can also help yourself, you know, grow and improve too. So I would encourage, that would be the one piece I would add, share it with others. I would say find your cheerleader to go along with that. Like find the yeah. people in your life that can be your cheerleaders. They they can, can do really it. do yeah, a lot. Yeah, exactly. I mean, don't cheer me on like that, but... <laughs> 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 your cheerleaders yeah. that can cheer for you in the way you want to be cheered for. Yeah, in the way that you want to be cheered for. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, kind of a side track. You were talking about the self-care stuff and figuring out, you know, how other people want to be cared. I, I know we both talked about it, but it kind of made me think about the book, um, the five love languages. So I just want to bring yep. that up for anyone that hasn't read it, isn't familiar with it. I, there's a test online. Again, I'll, I'll put these things in the show notes. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but fantastic book. It, you know, it's not the end all be all for understanding people. But I think it, it'll help you understand some of your relationships and find out what some people want, what some people don't want and how to communicate better with, with different types of people in your life. hundred percent agree. It's great. I echo what he said. No additional, no additional information to share. Wow. That's good. <laughs> I, like that. I know. Yeah. Uh, I know it's rare. It's rare that we just, that's not true. It's not rare that we wholeheartedly agree. Um, hundred percent on something. You and I tend to be pretty aligned on most things. Um, so coming out of this discussion, like what do you feel like you're going to personally do differently? So like, it's obviously been a topic that we've been looking at. So from the time we established, this is going to be a topic to, you know, now we've talked through it. 
we put together all of our notes and everything through the show. We got to hear from some listeners. Like, what are you personally going to do differently? Or what have you been doing differently? Well, I would like to really fine tune what my morning routine is and really kind of get a better handle on my morning routine. Like I said, one of the things I, I like to do is read. And I really, my morning routine, what I would like it to look like is getting up, tending to the dog, you know, putting the dog in the pen while my fiance gets ready for work. And then I spend the rest of that hour to an hour and a half just sitting in my office with a book. And I'm, you know, I just read before I go to work. Um, that's, that would be ideal for me. I mean, I made coffee during that, that time period. I think that's important, but that would be ideal. I think hearing you talk about caffeine, it makes me want to kind of go back to trying to move to decaf coffee. Um, which I've done in the past. Uh, I tried to do this last year, moving to decaf pour over. I still like the process, so I still want to hold on to that, but I want to move to decaf coffee just to kind of nudge that out. I think the biggest hurdle with that is I just haven't found a decaf coffee that is not terrible or yeah. horribly expensive. And yeah. I mean like $35 a pound uh, for whole beans. It's, it's a little too much for my liking. Wow, that seems crazy expensive. I obviously haven't bought coffee in a while to have like, this is how much I spend regularly on coffee, but that seems like $35 Generally, a pound, a pound for me, a uh, local roasted pound for me is probably like 10 to $15, and that's a like merge coffee. Yes, or like if I go to the co-op. four times the cost. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, and it's decaf, and it's uh, it's pretty good, but it's just it's too pricey to maintain because I end up drinking. That lasts me maybe a week, week and a half, uh, I'm not doing that. That's a lot of money. Mm. So you said what's important about it, though, is the process. Is there a different process you could put in as part of your morning to replace it? To replace coffee altogether? Yeah. I mean, probably. I've never really thought about that because I've never really thought about just removing coffee entirely from my diet uh, mm. or my lifestyle. It's always been you know, moving down how much I drink, you know, I, I only have one, maybe two cups a day at max these days. And I don't drink any coffee past noon for sleep reasons. Um, so it's really been more about that. And now it would be trying to, you know, get to the decaf side of things. I, I think I'd rather do that first, because like you mentioned, I, it, quitting coffee can be a real pain in the neck. And I think Literally. it's, yeah, it can be a lot easier if I can navigate it through decaf. And then ultimately, if I decide to remove it from there, I think that would be a lot simpler to do to just be like, ah, decaf, I don't want it, so I'm done. That would be a shame, though, because I've spent a lot of money on, you know, coffee stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. uh, just a question of, you know, you're talking about really ironing out what your structure looks like. Like, I think don't be afraid to look at it holistically as like, if I'm changing some of this, I should be open to changing all of it um, and making sure you assess like what things are most important as part of that. Yeah, um, certainly. I do want to point out that when I said I've spent a lot of money on coffee stuff, I just caught myself recognizing that I was playing foul to loss aversion right there where I was convincing myself not to give it up because I've already sunk or sunk costs rather, not loss aversion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've already sunk so much money into God, mm -hmm. fucking cognitive biases. I'll tell you, they mess with you. It is biases. Uh, Here they are again. Uh, it's going to be a whole week. It's come back. No. I had a word of the week, okay? I did not I did not say it though. And you neglected to say it. Myself. I'm proud of you. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I think for me, you know, obviously I shared one of those answers that you shared was me. Um and I think physical fitness has been something that has definitely slipped. I've so in living in New York and going through quarantine and all the restrictions and everything like that last year, gyms weren't open. I definitely am in worse physical shape than I was previously. Um, not necessarily like fat or obese, but just like from an athleticism standpoint, from all that, I don't feel as fit. I don't feel as good. So I think that's going to be a big piece of what I want to focus on because I obviously have a lot of freedom right now to be able to explore that and focus on that. So finding a routine that works for me that I can maintain, I think is going to be a big piece of what I want to do moving forward. Um, because I do feel fairly good about, you know, mentally how I go about my day, emotionally how I go about my day. I've changed a lot of my habits and, you know, both thinking habits and doing habits around those two things. 
Um, and we haven't talked a lot about spiritually. Neither neither of us are spiritual individuals as it is. Um, so while that obviously is something to consider when talking about self-care, it's something that is not a big part for Chris or myself. So that is something that you didn't hear us talk about a lot. Um, but I think the physical piece for me is really where I feel like I need to continue to focus because I I haven't taken as good a care of my body over the past 20 whatever years, 8, 9, 30, something like that, years as I could have. Um, so really making sure that if I want to be here in another 30 years, like making sure that I invest in my physical well-being um, the same way that I would invest in my emotional or mental well-being, which are definitely easier and more comfortable for me to focus on than the physical side. Um, and understanding that, right? Like as we talk through these things, I thought about what are the pieces about my own self-care that like I would be reluctant to share or that I don't feel good about. Um, and it really is that physical side for me. And so that feels like that feels like the right place to start when it's something that I personally feel almost ashamed of. Yeah, um, you have shame that shows. It. Yeah, that shows to me that that's really where I need to, I need to invest and spend some time. When it's uncomfortable, that's usually where to start. Like that's probably the first thing yeah. to work on. And it kind of what you said reminded me of. Um, I, I can't remember where the quote is from, but it's generally something along the lines of like treat yourself like you would treat a dear friend. So that's that's kind of what I try to be mindful of as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good way to look at it. You know growing up there was always the um treat others how you would want to be treated or treat others you know better than you would treat yourself uh, but like don't forget to treat yourself as well as you treat others <laughs> um like that's a pretty important piece of that too don't treat yourself like your uh, most hated enemy yeah that's that's probably a good place to start if nothing else that's probably what the zeros on the scale would rate themselves as treating themselves as their as their mortal enemies yikes um yeah yeah don't do that um man i i've really enjoyed this discussion uh that is going to do it for today's episode of mental debugging um i don't know about you guys but i really enjoyed getting to to speak about this even though it's definitely a tough tough topic hopefully it encourages you guys to have those kinds of discussions as well um as always i really appreciate doing this with you chris it's always you know great to be able to discuss things and get to connect and talk through um deep and meaningful things together we really appreciate everybody who tunes in and listens to us do that. Um, this has been a, a really exciting thing for us, even though it's new and this only is our second episode. Um, we feel like we've gotten a lot out of it personally. Hopefully a lot of others uh, do as well. We encourage you guys to take time with those questions that are in the show notes. I know Chris is going to put a lot of great information in there as well. Um, feel free to join us on our Discord once again. The link to that is going to be in the show notes as well. Um, reflect on these things, discuss these things with the people you're close with, you know, expand your view on your own self-care and, and really assess what are you doing to take care of yourself. Um, thanks once again for tuning in and never stop debugging. <laughs>